0: Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we've got you covered with up-to-the-minute reporting and analysis into this fast-moving impeachment inquiry. It's now entering a new phase. Uh, We're moving over to the Judiciary Committee. But first, House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff is out with his official report. We're going to be joined by S.E. Cupp in just a few moments. But first, I'm joined by Samantha Vinograd, CNN National Security Analyst, who served on Obama's National Security Council. Welcome back to the podcast, Sam. Thank you. Sam, this report just dropped literally right before we started recording. And I just want to read just a little bit of what Schiff has in the summary here. There are no new facts, obviously, but it is the summation of all the facts uh, that he's trying to present here to Push the House Democrats now into uh, the more active articles of impeachment phase. Quote, as this report details, the impeachment inquiry has found that President Trump personally and acting through agents within and outside the U.S. government solicited the interference of a foreign government, Ukraine, to benefit his reelection in furtherance of this scheme. President Trump conditioned official acts on a public announcement by the new Ukrainian president of politically motivated investigations, including one into President Trump's domestic political opponent. In pressuring President Zelensky to carry out his demand, President Trump withheld a White House meeting desperately sought by the Ukrainian president and critical U.S. military assistance to fight Russian aggression in eastern Ukraine. That paragraph to me sort of sums up what this is all about.
1: Agree. But I'll also add on. It's really interesting. Schiff goes in very quickly to the constitutional basis for what Congress is doing, because we have two things here. And we've talked about this previously, David. We have the actual evidence and the actual content of what the House Democrats are alleging happened. And then we have this argument that the whole process itself is unconstitutional. So Chairman Schiff in this lengthy report, which I'm speed reading as fast as I can, The preface starts with going back to why this is in line with the Constitution. He lays the basis for that. And then, as you as you mentioned, it is up to House Judiciary to draft up articles of impeachment. But Schiff comes pretty close to laying out what you could see as, you know, quote, unquote, charges against the president. He focuses in the first instance on really self-dealing, which is against the Constitution. The fact that the president used his personal office and his agents, in this case, Rudy Giuliani and uh, U.S. government representatives, to carry out something that benefited him personally. So we have the self-dealing aspect. Then he very clearly articulates soliciting foreign election interference. We know from the Mueller report that uh, charging the president— with a criminal indictment is not going to happen with this Department of Justice. But uh, Schiff is laying it out there. We all know that soliciting foreign election interference is illegal under U.S. law. He talks about conditioning official acts on um, the Ukrainians doing something for him privately. He does not call that bribery. That, but that is bribery, is it not? He uh, Bribery, extortion, whatever word House judiciary wants to come up with, it's bad. And they have stepped away from quid pro quo and are no longer using bribery. They're saying conditioning. And later in the report, they say pressure, but they're getting at that there. And then finally, he talks about the national security damage. He says that they subver- the president subverted Ukraine policy in furtherance of a personal goal. So he's getting very close at kind of laying out what he thinks those charges should be. And then he gets to obstruction of Congress as well.
0: In each of the instances you just went through, Schiff comes back to that this was to benefit him personally, uh, ahead and above of benefit to the United States of America. Does that calculation, does that frame fit into the constitutional requirements of impeachment as you understand them?
1: It certainly does. Engaging in in self-dealing amounts to the president violating his fiduciary responsibility under the Constitution. Trump swore an oath to the Constitution and engaging in something that benefits him personally. Again, self-dealing would be, according to House Democrats, and I'm not a lawyer, but my reading of the Constitution would be violating his oath of office. I do think it's interesting, though, that Schiff very carefully is very specific about these other charges. I think the whole concept of self-dealing is a little difficult for people to wrap their head around. I spend my time reading law blogs because I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but the American public probably doesn't have as good of a sense of what that means. Talking about foreign election interference is more digestible. It's also accurate in this case. And talking about conditioning official acts And whatever word House Judiciary is going to use, I think is very purposeful because it's more specific and digestible.
0: Chairman Schiff was on MSNBC last night, and he indicated that while this report is now done and he has made this public, that he's not done with his work necessarily and that they could call more witnesses. I'm wondering what you think of that, who they would call, what would be the purpose of that if we're moving to judiciary now? Why should Schiff still be calling witnesses?
1: Well. This impeachment inquiry has really been kind of the bad gift that keeps on giving in that when one witness comes forward – Uh, other witnesses have actually felt the need to come forward as well. I mean, you look at someone like David Holmes, and he was sparked to go and speak with his superiors to speak with Congress because of something another witness said publicly. So it is possible that when this report comes out or when President Trump tweets something offensive again, you might see more people voluntarily want to share something uh, with the American public. Number two, of course, we have this ongoing fight between members of the executive branch, current and former, uh, and the House, with respect to whether they have to comply with subpoenas and whether this blanket immunity argument by the White House counsel will stand up in court. That's been uh, going kind of like two, one step forward, two steps back. We have some uh, a court ruling, uh, I believe it was last week, saying that they should testify, but that process is chugging along very slowly. So the big question is, or was, I should say, will House Democrats hold up what they're doing while they wait to see if other witnesses are going to come forward. And what we learned from Chairman Schiff is no, the report has gone forward. He said that he could add an addendum or um, additional information to the report to supplement it. But this process is moving forward. The flip side of that, of course, is the House GOP is going to say that nothing in this report is any good evidence. And it's all hearsay, which is not accurate, by the way. And it is not untrue that the key witnesses... That could be the quote unquote smoking guns because they could establish a direct link with President Trump to these activities are caught up in this litigation right now.
0: So let me ask you, there's this um, law professor, Kim Welly, who wrote a piece in The Atlantic. Her argument is the Democrats are being too easy on these folks and that they really should be compelling these executive branch folks for their testimony. Do you think it's a political mistake what Democrats are doing right now on the Hill?
1: I read Kim's article a little bit differently in that I I think that she's arguing, yes, they should be doing everything possible to compel them to testify. But even if litigation is not going to get them to testify in the near term, Congress has a responsibility to really hold these people to account for violating um, these subpoenas because of the precedent that that sets. So I think it's both of those things. Yes, I think House Democrats should be doing everything possible to get witnesses to testify because it is so clear why they're not. Um, And the blanket immunity argument is just ridiculous for anybody that has any basic understanding of the law. But to not let that get in the way –
0: Of the impeachment process and
1: not just and not to slow it down, um, because the danger is as fast as the courts could move, they're not going to move fast enough for House Democrats impeachment schedule. And so what do you do? Do you wait for this to play out in the courts? Probably not. And look, this Republican strategy is actually working pretty well, forcing or saying that key witnesses should not testify, making ridiculous legal arguments that judges are seeing through is ridiculous. But guess what? Those witnesses are not testifying. So just from a strategic perspective, it runs out the clock. It does. It does. Sam Vinograd, thank you so much for
0: being here. Really appreciate it. We'll be right back after this with SE Cup. Welcome back to the Daily D.C. Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Joining me now is the host of S.E. Cup Unfiltered, the one and only S.E. Cup. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. I want you to hear, S.E., what President Trump said over in London this morning when he was asked by a reporter, might he accept something uh, less than uh, impeachment and perhaps be open to the notion of a censure? Here's the president. There's, there's some talk of, among lawmakers of censuring you instead of
1: impeachment. What do you think about that? Unacceptable. I did nothing wrong. I heard about it. Now they want to go to censure because they have no case for impeachment. So they want to go to censure. I don't want them to go to censure. I did nothing wrong. I don't mind being censured if you do something wrong. I did nothing <clears throat> wrong.
0: Essie, the I did nothing wrong, just blanket I did nothing wrong, which I understand has been the president's position, admit no fault anywhere but even like mike turner of ohio republican congressman initially said by the way mr president that phone call it wasn't okay by the way he's one of the staunchest defenders of the president he's not for impeachment but he acknowledged that that phone call was not okay do you see republicans in any way pushing back on this notion that the president did nothing wrong
2: well, I mean, you know, Ad will heard others. Adam Kinzinger others have said I. I don't think that this was right, and I think it sets a bad precedent for future presidents not to call us out for what it was. The question is to what to what end, and that's why I think the censure. Um, you know, the the censure possibility is a little alarming for some Republicans because it will make them put their money where their mouth is. It's one thing to say, yeah, I really didn't like it, but, you know, I'm not going to impeach him. And I, I know I'm never really going to have to, like, do anything about it. Well, if if Democrats put censoring on the table, then they will have to, on the record, in public, say, and now here's what I think should happen to the, to, to the president. Um, well, it's a safer political
0: position to say, this does not rise to the level of impeachment. I'm fine voting against impeachment. But But if you have to vote against censure, you are saying he did nothing wrong.
2: That's right. For all of those reasons, um, it it is safer. I also just think it's folly. I think there's this idea that Republicans in the House, uh, Republicans in general, will be rational about this process and be honest. And I think if you move the goalposts, they'll just move with you and then they'll decide, you know, some excuse. censuring doesn't mean anything. I'm not going to waste a, you know, a vote on some political distraction maneuver. They'll come up with some reason why they admit it was bad, but not bad enough to censure. And Democrats will be left with nothing. So for the same reason Trump doesn't want to give an inch On anything. And he of course, he won't go for censuring. I think Democrats shouldn't give an inch. I think they need to go full impeachment or completely abandon this at all because they're not going to get anything from Trump or Republicans.
0: But uh, I guess my question is, is there some political risk in uh, them continuing down the impeachment path if Zero bipartisanship on it. No Republicans join them. And if Nancy Pelosi starts to lose potentially some of the centrist Democrats from Trump districts who may have been with her on the idea of an inquiry, but decide not to be there uh, on impeachment. We don't know if that will happen yet or not. But it does. uh, Does you say they should continue full bore? Is there not political risk in doing so? There's all political risk.
2: And there has been from the beginning. It's not as if the political risk to pursuing impeachment just came about. It was always there because impeachment is divisive. Americans don't like it. And it's a political process with no guaranteed outcome. That said, Democrats have staked their sort of moral high ground and moral imperative congressional duty on pursuing impeachment. Well, if that's your reason for doing it, then you have to do it. And you've been saying all along you've found grounds for impeachment. This new report that that you and Sam talked about uh, clearly leads to that conclusion. I mean, that's the amazing thing Pursue about this it. whole
0: story, right? The facts are not really in dispute.
2: No, the facts are complete. And, and I, I, this is what I said, you know, uh, on my last show. We've been arguing about the facts. The facts are not in dispute anymore. The facts are what they are. This is what he did. And in fact, he's admitting it and saying, I did nothing wrong, but this is what I did. So you can't Come up with the reason for impeachment and then abandon the reason for impeachment because it got politically hairy. I have asked Democrats on my show for the past few months, Democrats from the swingiest of districts to Democrats in deep blue, you know, um, California districts, if pursuing impeachment will be worth it, if it does not end up removing the president from office.
0: Which it is not likely to do. Nope.
2: If it ends up helping him win re-election and maybe even wins Republicans back the House, will it be worth it? They all say absolutely because it's the right thing to do. Now, whether they believe all of those things are going to happen or not, who knows? But no one has said, well, no, it, it won't. It won't have been worth it if those political possibilities become reality. But those were always the political possibilities with this.
0: Yes, no, no doubt. Which is why I think Nancy Pelosi was uh, reluctant for a long time to yes, get to this point. She was, but smart. also why she I think is I think her rhetoric echoes with, exactly with what you're saying. Her line where she says, "We can't impeach because of politics, and we can't not impeach because of politics." That's right. That,
2: and that's basically... They've staked their ground on the moral reasons to do this. And their, like I said, constitutional obligations. Well, then do it and suffer the political consequences if they come. So now can you
0: put your forecaster hat on for a moment and, and just in this environment, in the media environment we live in, the way the political news landscape shifts so quickly, do you really think impeachment in January of 2020 is still going to be on the minds of voters in the fall of 2020?
2: No, I don't you know, I don't think it manifests that way entirely. I think Trump will regardless of when impeachment ends, Trump will use it to be a victim. He will, you know, talk about the losing effort to impeach him, the losing effort to remove him, trying to he usurp won. you. He beat it back. Right. Yeah. Democrats trying to usurp you, the voters. He will use that successfully over the course of the election. That's its potency. It's not necessarily that, like, voters are thinking, well, remember that time they tried to impeach the president and what a waste of time. It's that Trump will use it. Not only to speak to his base, but maybe to speak to persuadable voters who think no one in Congress is doing anything that matters to me. Whether that's true or not, you know, is 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 debatable, right. But he will use it. I think he'll use it effectively now, my
0: final question for you is now that this shift report is out, and as you and I just discussed, the facts are not really in dispute, right? Where do you think Republicans go from here as this heads into Judiciary Committee? Where does their messaging go
2: if they're not fighting the facts? Bad but not impeachable. It's what you've been hearing um, most often sort of uh, circling around that latest rebuttal to all of this, because as 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 Sam laid out, This isn't hearsay anymore. We have people who were on the call talking about what they heard. Um, Like I said, Trump himself has admitted to doing what he's accused of doing. So all of those earlier excuses have kind of fallen apart. They're left with, well, maybe it was bad, but not impeachable. Uh, You know, that is debatable. And I've said all along, you can debate whether this is an impeachable offense, but you can't debate the facts. And the facts are known. So I I don't hear... All the Republicans say. I hear some Republicans yeah. saying that, but I hear the Jim
0: Jordans or John Kennedys, or I hear right. very vocal, prominent Republicans go to the microphones and still, you know, have some conspiracy theories out there yes. about Ukraine. Like, so it doesn't seem to be that they're all singing from the same sheet.
2: No, they're not. But I think what you're going to find the bulk of Republican House members. Saying is bad, but not impeachable. You're of course, you're going to have your television, um, you know, pundit wannabes, (laughs) you know, using very colorful and creative uh, justifications and excuses and conspiracy theories. But I think where most Republicans are going to land on is admitting not great, not impeachable. S.E. Cup, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, David. Really appreciate it on the Daily DC
0: Impeachment Watch. And thanks to our listeners. We've got a new episode every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It really helps people find the show. We'll see you tomorrow.